0: Welcome to the archives of Radio Curious. I'm Barry Vogel. In the middle of the Costa Rican rainforest, about an hour west of San Jose, Costa Rica, on the east side of the Continental Divide, you can find the Rainforest Aerial Tram, located on a private rainforest reserve. The tram is a series of small open-air cars that hold about five people each strung together by a cable three kilometers long. The tram cars carry visitors through, above, and below this portion of the Central American Rainforest Canopy. The Rainforest Aerial Tram was the brainchild of Dr. Donald Perry. A biologist trained at the University of California Los Angeles who beginning in 1970 has specialized in the study of the flora and fauna of the Central American rainforest. In April of 1995 I rode the rainforest aerial tram with Dr. Perry. Amid the sounds of the jungle we stopped to talk at the tram's turnaround and began our conversation with Dr. Perry explaining what he hoped to achieve with this project in the middle of one of the densest forests in the known world.
1: Well, this is a a project that has uh, several goals. One of them uh, is to educate all the people coming to Costa Rica about the real importance of saving the tropical rainforests. Well,
0: what is the importance of doing that? Um, (laughs) It's a big question, but it's your life's work. Um,
1: Well, tropical rainforests have uh, the most complex communities of life on our planet. They're the source of many different uh, products which we use today and have been the source of many foods uh, which many people are familiar with. And for instance, chocolate and vanilla came uh, from these kind of rainforests. So uh, we expect that in the canopy of the rainforest among these plants there may be even new medicines to be discovered that could be very helpful to us in the future. But beyond that, these are the most complex communities of life on our planet, and I, as a biologist, think they have a right to exist.
0: Mm Well, your concept then is to bring, bring people here to see them, to get other people to agree the, that they have a right to exist, or do you, you have experiments and ongoing observations in addition?
1: Well, my objective here with the Rainforest Aerial Tram is to bring these people uh, who are visiting Costa Rica to show them the rainforest, and uh, I believe that if they see how beautiful this forest is, that they will love it, and then through this love protect it. Uh, my uh, but my objectives also extend to students. Uh, we are giving to these students um, free rides and uh, into the canopy to uh, see this forest. Now these students are Costa Ricans, and uh, without the contribution of the tourists, these uh, Costa Ricans wouldn't be able to see this forest. And I think this is one of the most uh, the most beautiful habitats that they have. So for them to
0: be able to see it is really a tremendous gift. When you created this um, project, why did you select this particular location? This,
1: this site is very close to San Jose, and it is on the border of Braulio Carrillo National Park. This is private land that, by buying it, we have saved it from being cut. And in, in so doing, we're a buffer to the national park. This is also some of the richest rainforest in Costa Rica, and as a result, the, the new world and these trees have more plants growing in them than any other place in Costa Rica and probably the rest of the world. So uh, we have over 300 species of birds, many different calls, and uh, you'll often hear uh, groups of them foraging in in this region, macaws, tanagers, euphonias, all sorts of birds, some of them very, very colorful. Um, You might even hear uh, uh, monkeys in the distance like white-faced monkey or a howler monkey and uh, so these are the sorts of things that you might expect to hear. But I think the forest is most notable for being quiet and serene and peaceful. So if you come out and go on the tram, you will see what a really, really peaceful place the forest is.
0: Yet the tram has an impact on the forest. Well, in, in the six months or so that you've been operating it, mm-hmm. what, what do you find the, the impact to be? Mm-hmm. So what's
1: the impact of the tram on the forest? I mean, this question I'm often asked. And uh, If this tram was not here, this forest would be cut, and uh, so there would be no place for all the animals living here to live. So by being here, we give all the animals in this region uh, their home, and uh, we don't really interfere with what they're doing, uh, so I think the impact here is so tremendously positive uh, that it's really unimaginable to me uh, not to be
0: here. Tell us how you got here. We I mean, were standing under what looks kind of like a ski lift turnaround <laughs> in in an unhandily located way, and you were before you were jokingly saying that a UFO brought it here. What did it take to, to build the, the wayposts and the turnarounds and uh, get all this heavy equipment in?
1: Well, the, uh, in, in the beginning, it would take us about a day to walk uh, from the beginning to this site and back. And it's a distance of about two kilometers? Yeah, about two kilometers, but uh, through some pretty uh, steep terrain. Yeah. And, um, well, there's a lot of snakes out in the vegetation that you have to watch, so this keeps you going slow. Uh, the, what we did, though, to build it, is we wanted to protect the forest in the construction. So one of the things is we built a banana tram, and our workers carried weights, uh, the, the construction materials, by pulling it along a cable. And the other thing we did is uh, use a helicopter to carry in all the heavy pieces of equipment. So all the stuff that are uh, that's around uh, the boarding station here was lowered in. From a helicopter that we uh, uh, hired from nicaragua which is interesting too because the pilot from nicaragua uh well this was the uh, sandinista air force and he commented after the the uh the event that this was the best job that he had ever had non-military
0: obviously The animals um, that see us, can you talk about how they are being habituated to our species? Uh,
1: Well, uh, the animals, I don't believe, um, are very much affected by this system. It's uh, very much like, I think, uh, a bus going through New York City. And uh, if you're looking at New York City, well, no one's paying attention to you. Uh, in New York City. There may be many really interesting things taking place in all those really tall buildings, uh, but they're hard to find, hard to see. Uh, So I see this tram very much like that. The people come in, they ride, and and they come out through the forest, and it's a busy forest. Things are going on. Uh, Well, they're camouflaged. Some of the really neat things are hard to see. Uh, And I think from our point of view, what's especially exciting is that we put the people in the cage. And so the animals you know,
0: are free to come and look if they want. So the species-centric, if you will, concept uh, that our species has about us really doesn't apply here because each one is looking out for its own and, and keeping from its own predator? Uh, could you repeat that question? Please? Yeah. The, it, in other words, each species here mm-hmm. in the forest is looking out for its own, its, its own self-preservation, yeah. its own reproduction. Yeah and um really doesn't care about us
1: oh i i guess uh, the ongoing life of this forest is right now going on and uh, we are not interfering with that in any way the the animals uh, uh well i mean if there was a jaguar chasing a, a a pig through the forest right here it would continue chasing the pig i'm very very sure of it and in fact some of our workers saw this happen uh so uh, i i think we are very fortunate to be in one of the systems that you can go through a forest and have such a small impact when you are visiting a natural setting.
0: What I'd like to ask you about are some of the particular behavioral patterns of, of um, the different animals. Before you were talking about the tapir and the way it looks and lives and it, no. it being an unusual creature.
1: Could you tell us about that? The tapir? Uh, well, that's a very large animal. It uh, lives a fairly solitary life and eats up to 40 different species of plants. So, what it does is it's wandering through the forest um, most of the day and night eating. And um, uh, they do love water. So, at times you may see them sitting and, and basking, sort of, or swimming in a pool. And, uh, well, they're very exciting uh, for people to see because they're thought to be quite Uh, Well, they are somewhat shy, they are endangered, and uh, we have quite a few of them here at this site. How big of a creature are they? They weigh up to about 700 pounds, and they are, uh, well, they're an odd-toed ungulate, and they're related to horses. They have a long nose, looks almost like it's on its way to becoming an elephant.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Looks a little bit like a pig or a hippo.
0: What are some of their behavioral patterns that our listeners and viewers might find interesting? Um, Of of the tapir? Yeah.
1: Um, Mostly it grazes like a cow, so uh, I'm not sure that there's too much interesting behavior in that. Um, Other animals that are, I guess, very interesting would be the anteaters. Uh, and in fact, anteaters do eat ants, they eat insects of all kinds. They have sharp claws for holding on to a tree, grabbing the trunk, and then they climb up the trunk and go through these plants that you see in the, in the tops of the trees, digging up the humus that's growing on the the limbs, and they eat the grubs and other insects that are found in all of this material. Mm-hmm. And they c- do that uh, no matter how close they are to the tram. We've seen them in action, and uh, they seem to a- take absolutely no notice of our presence.
0: I want to take a moment and tell our listeners that I'm talking with Dr. Donald Perry, who operates uh, the Rainforest Tram, next to Brario Carrillo National Park in uh, central Costa Rica. And you're listening to Radio Curious, recorded live here in in Costa Rica. Um, If you were to redo your project to looking at what you've learned and doing it again, are there some things that you would do differently? Um, I think... uh
1: that's a really good question. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> we like what we're doing here, and we spent a lot of time designing this to do exactly what it's doing, and to and how it goes through the forest, where it was put, how close it comes to things, how many people it's designed to take. Uh, everything was designed in advance and it turned out exactly as we designed it.
0: Um, tell us about the designs, about, uh, about the specifics of uh, where it is and why you selected it in, in the proximity that you did. This
1: was selected because it was uh, close to San Jose and as, uh, as such could educate uh, as many people as we, uh, we can or we hope to. And this uh we see this as a school in the treetops. We selected the this line here, uh by hiking through the forest for months and finding a an area where there was a, a corridor through the forest where there weren't any large trees. So we plotted this, mapped it and then set the cables to go through this gap. And um uh, we designed the towers so that there was minimal, uh, that we would need minimal space to bring the, the tram cars through. So we have an F-shaped towers instead of the T-shaped towers. And the F-shaped towers mean these cars will travel over and under. And this is the first uh, system in the world with this design. And uh, we're really proud of, of that. As well as this is the only place in the world people can travel through the treetops to see mm-hmm. the canopy.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the practicalities of, of traveling. I noticed that when we were coming out to this point, um, you have a, you know, a portable radio, mm-hmm. and you would ask the um, controllers at either end to stop or start mm-hmm. or go to a distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that allows for...
1: Well, uh, we're, we're happy. When people think of a, a tram in the forest, they really can't conceptualize what it is. We're even able to... Uh, gives a certain degree of personal service by uh, stopping if we see something really important. For instance, there's an owl nesting on the site, and we can stop and we can look in and take a look at the owl. And uh, I think this has surprised a lot of people that they can get this kind of personal service. Mm
0: -hmm. When we stopped and looked at that owl, did you know it was there? Yes, I knew the
1: owl was there. It's been there for quite a
0: while. So you have regular stops, and do you have scouts who go out and look for for things that may be available?
1: Well, in any given day, we may have 20 guides on the property, uh, 16 of them in the cars. Mm -hmm. And, well, that's a lot of eyes looking through the forest. So in any given day, we can find out where the animals are moving
0: and what they're doing. Tell us a little bit about your guides and and the experience that you require them to have and and what you would expect of them. Well, the
1: guides actually were part of our, a lot of them were part of our work crew. And I think that's one of the great uh, benefits of our particular project is that we have offered to these people to bring them, with us into our future where we are supplying people with nature guides that really know our site. So these guys used to hunt a lot of them. Now they're doing less hunting because they realize how uh, important this kind of community is to their way of life now. And uh, they've been changed from manual laborers to professional laborers. So they really appreciate being brought along and we really enjoy the skills that they have and the knowledge that they have of this site. Mm -hmm.
0: How many people can you
1: accommodate at one time in this area? Uh, How much would it accommodate? It really, the amount of people that any given site accommodates depends on how the people are being handled. Mm -hmm. If they're being if they're not being handled well, a site can can only accommodate ten people. If they're being handled well a site can maybe, say, accommodate 200 people. Uh, if And so what we are designing here is a site that manages the people in such a way that there's minimal impact, minimal contact, and as a result, it can handle quite a few people without disturbing the environment
0: or disturbing the
1: people themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about your background and, and how you ended up doing this. Was it a, uh, a boyhood dream? come well, true or did you fall into it? Uh,
1: this, this, uh, well I've been in nature all my life uh, chasing lizards uh, <laughs> as a young kid and uh, stayed in biology in school, have my PhD mm-hmm. started, was a pioneer of studying the canopy mm-hmm. and developed several different methods for going into the trees a rope system using a crossbow and arrow so that you could uh, put a rope in the tree then climb the rope and then another rope system that goes over the treetops which you can use to hang down into the tops of uh, weak trees, trees that were too weak to climb. Then I designed the automated web, which was the first vehicle for exploring the canopy. I got the money from a Rolex Award for Enterprise. That system led to the idea of this system. And um, I thought of this in 1990. In 1992, we had a little bit of money and now in October of, uh, mm. Last year, we opened up. So, um, this was uh, a direct result of that first, the automated web, and because many, many people wanted to go for a ride on that. And so now we have a system which uh, can uh, supply uh, access to scientists, Mm -hmm. visitors, and and the like. We're being attacked by a sweat bee here.
0: What do you think about the other systems like the. (coughs) other kind of exploration of the canopy?
1: Um, There are uh, other systems, as you know, for exploring the canopy. There have been a balloon, a French crew, uh, Francis Hallet, has uh, developed a balloon and a raft system, where they lower an inflatable raft on the trees. This this was an extremely important system for bringing attention to the need to study rainforest. And now, in uh, in the Panama, in South America, in North America, cranes are being taken into the uh, forest, and the cranes are being used to, for research. And um, so, this is a very, very uh, uh, good. A way to study the canopy and I think with each different system that we're going to learn more and more about the canopy and maybe we'll be able to, d- to discover some of those, um, uh,
0: maybe some of those medicines that people have been just dis- talking about for so long. Maybe you've um, answered that question, my next question for me by what you just said, but uh, in years to come, I'm curious about what you see, now Now that you have the structures and the infrastructure set up here, what you see doing uh, in this project? I hope that this place emerges as the
1: one of the leading and foremost uh, preservation businesses in the world, where people can uh, come from around the world, talk at some of our facilities, and even have meetings as they go the rainforest mm-hmm. and I think we are since we are in Costa Rica we are at a hub of nature preservation in the world today so I really see this as moving forward I want the people here to to operate it and um, my dreams for what I want to do while continuing doing canopy work would be to start uh, writing again because I put down writing to build this system and uh, and to give me uh, uh, some an income uh, so that I didn't have to depend on writing. So now I can start writing, and maybe um, I'll just write some books that no one will buy.
0: <laughs> what would you write about? What are some of your What are some of your thoughts, plans? Well, I Without have giving a, away the novel. I have
1: a book on human evolution, which I'm writing, and it's about a great has a great deal to do with sex. And I have a book uh, that I want to write on, um, shall we say? All those beliefs in the world today by scientists and others, which are obviously wrong, but people hold them so dear and so close that they, they operate by them uh, all the time, and then they always ask questions, what's going wrong, what's going wrong? So I, I want to write a book about this.
0: In terms of a novel or in, firm, in terms of a uh, scientific presentation? Uh, well, I particularly don't like scientific
1: preser- uh, presentation because uh, it really doesn't get the message across. Uh, what I, yes, I think it would be in terms of a novel, uh, maybe a non-fiction p- novel about what I've been doing since the last book I wrote, and a, a fictional, the fictional part being my uh, views of what these people are doing. So, uh,
0: Well, again, maybe you've presupposed my last question, and, and, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe you can give it two answers. What I always like to ask people at the close of an interview. Is to tell us about an interesting book that you've read lately, one that you might recommend to the listeners. But also, I want to know about the book that you, the last book that you wrote, so that's why I give it to you, is maybe you can answer it twice. Um, an interesting book for your listeners. For listeners that you've read that you would recommend that that people uh, grab onto. Um, well, uh, my tastes really are are
1: not every, uh, the broad public's taste. I would recommend, uh, what book? Have I been reading recently? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> now that I look through the files,
0: I haven't been reading recently. Then maybe you could tell us about the last one that you wrote. The last one I wrote? Yeah. Uh, sure uh, Life Above the
1: Jungle Floor? Well, I'd love to recommend them buy it, but it's not in distribution in the U.S., it's only in distribution in Costa Rica. Well. Give us the title, the publisher and... Life Above the Jungle Floor and uh, the author is Donald Perry, that's me. And uh,
0: it's probably available in a library somewhere in the U.S. Well, Donald Perry, I want to thank you for talking with us here at the uh, turnabout point of uh, this magnificent project you're doing in the jungles and speaking with us on Radio Curious. Well, thank you very much and uh, I hope that some of your listeners
1: eventually get a chance to come out here and find out what a real rainforest is like.
0: Dr. Donald Perry developed the Rainforest Aerial Tram about an hour west of San Jose, Costa Rica. The book that he recommends is Life Above the Jungle Floor that he wrote. Copies of this and other editions of Radio Curious can be found on our website www.radiocurious.org There are over 750 archives on our website, radiocurious.org, and I'm honored to tell you that Radio Curious is now part of the collection at the Library of Congress. We appreciate your cards, ideas, and letters, and do enjoy hearing from you. The email is curious at RadioCurious.org. The postal address is 700 West Smith Street, Ukiah, California, 95482. The phone is 707-621-5075. Ignacio Ayala is the assistant producer. I'm host and producer Barry Vogel. Thank you for listening.